Welcome to Legal Tea, the podcast where interview lawyers bring beyond corporate law. Each week, you'll hear about their practice area, the work that they do, and the roads they've taken to get there. I'm your host, Max Herberg. How's everyone doing this week? It's been a hell of a season. We've covered hot topics like climate change and blockchain, explored organizations like the CPS and OECD, tackled practice areas such as social welfare, medical negligence, financial crime, and even discovered new legal roles like being a legal translator. Now it's time for us at Legal Tea to put down the kettle. But before we do, I want to take a moment to say thank you to you, the listeners, for tuning in each week. You see, I started Legal Tea as a means of opening up the conversation, the conversation about the sheer diversity of career paths in the legal profession, the conversation about the challenges and triumphs when pursuing the roads left traveled. And the responses we received in the past two seasons has been amazing. So how are we at Legal Tea going to finish this season off? Well, in a poetic fashion, this week's episode is not so much about endings as it is about beginnings, the beginning of an idea, the beginning of a business. Specifically, we'll be talking about startups. Funny how we think about the legal rights and obligations of businesses once they're in a fully-fledged form, such as a multinational corporation, but rarely when it's just a mere startup. So to help us explore the legal landscape of startups, we decided to call in an expert, Flora Swen Krujats, Chief Legal Officer at Seed Legals, a one-stop online platform designed to address all the legal needs for startups to create and grow their business. In the episode, we discuss the common legal issues faced by startups, why startups are underserved by existing legal service providers, and how the use of technology such as Seed Legals' own platform addresses this issue. Outside the platform, we discuss Flora's own career journey, from being a corporate lawyer at Linklaters and venturing into the legal tech space, whether lawyers need to know how to code for the future, and the skills one needs to tackle the legal tech space. So without further ado, and for one last time this season, sit back, relax, brew yourself a cuppa, and enjoy the show. Good afternoon, Flora. Welcome to Legal Tea. How are you doing today? Very well, and you? I'm doing very well, thank you. So we've got a lot to talk about, Flora, but before we get into it, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so my name is Flora. I'm the Chief Legal Officer of C-Legals. Essentially, I look after the legal operations of C-Legals across jurisdictions. Um, and my background, I started as an M&A lawyer with Linklater's Porn and Bread, there, I'm working in different jurisdictions, started my own legal test startup and had a sting there and then joined Seed Legals about a year ago. And so what is Seed Legals? So Seed Legal is a one-stop platform for all the legals that a startup would need to start, raise and grow the company. Um, we've served 35,000 companies by now and um, we are a team of 150 people and growing. And so... You know, 35,000 startups, huge amount of startups. And what do you see as being the common kind of legal issues and procedures that startups face when trying to grow and seek funding? Yeah, of course. I mean, you take a very early stage company by its growth stages. Of course, at the beginning, 
you have two or three founders have some great idea. You want to have a founder's agreement just to make sure your documents everything. Followed by you might start building products. You might need to think about IP. Um, and later on, when your product gaining traction, then this is where you get investor interested in your company and you are thinking about funding rounds. And of course, you then start employing people. Then you have employment contract issues and then followed by, you know, different partnership arrangements or SaaS efficient agreements, all those commercial contracts. So all these are the very typical um, issues that startup or any stage, early stage company will face. And these are the problems that we try to solve as CD goes. So it sounds like, you know, you, you talked about kind of employment, you talked obviously kind of commercial contracts, you know, imagine some company law gets into the mix. Yeah. So a lot of different range of, you know, air practice areas. So my question is, you know, why are startups kind of underserved by existing legal service providers like law firms and consultancies, which, you know, presumably have this kind of variety of expertise to be able to serve uh, startups? Of course, I think... There is, a, there is a stage of the company where when they are still very early stage, they don't want to really spend a lot of um, money on legal fees. And also, they they typically kind of can't afford really the bespoke um, structure and services provided by the law firm. This is where I think C-Legal really fills a gap with a technology tool that we can offer those services a lot more um, you know, subscription-based, a lot more friendly um, to the startups. Um, and the other thing is, you know, founders, especially the young ones, they really like technology tools. You know, we, we live our place with an app and on a phone and everything. And, and CD got kind of turned all the boring legal documentation into a software workflow where you can click through everything. You can see your cap table and interact with it. It really um, clicks with the founders, especially in 21st century. <laughs> so you talked about kind of the, the technology tool kind of explain to us a little more a little bit more about how seed legals kind of aids the legals to to these startups of course um so to start with Legal has a platform where you know from from funding documentation to employment contracts or um e-stops that we turn that into a software workflow and within the workflow, we also give a lot of hint text and guidelines to the founders, where especially first-time founders, they just need to understand exactly what is the shareholders agreement and what should be included there. What are those complex terms that we're talking about? So we change that and we make the process very efficient um, and very fast. And also, because we've done so many funding rounds, we give a lot of data to the founders to make sure that you know they walk away and feeling that they get market terms. Um, I think this is where one of our biggest value add to the founders. So it's interesting because it sounds on the one hand, you know, you're, you know, providing kind of legal services, but it also feels that like you're educating kind of your clients in terms of, you know, the legal processes, the rationale behind kind of the legal, but also advising them as to, you know, making sure they get the best terms. The educational piece is actually a very important piece of what we do as illegals. And um, and I think that's also one of the reasons why a lot of the founders, especially first-time founders, really like us. Because, you know, as a founder, you have 10,000 things on your plate. You you need to figure out where to get your first contract. You need to get your product market fit. You need to define your go-to-market strategy and 10,000 other things. You know, legal documentation is probably at the bottom part of the things to do and something that you often neglect. And then the moment you find out, 
um, it's often too late. So what we want to do is really have some, you know, really simple tools um, to get founders up from scratch um, really quickly and also something they can interact with. And then taking this from a kind of, you know, more market and industry view, you know, you've t- we've talked a lot about just now, you know, the, the different elements that, you know, your legal service differentiates from your typical kind of law firm. But more generally, how do you think law is being practiced in the legal tech environment, such as your own, differs from the traditional law firm? We are very, very different. <laughs> um, I'll say kind of we have a complete different mindset. Um, apart from the usual kind of traditional law firm to client relationship where you're thinking about serving your clients, you're thinking about the quality of your services and deliver those services on a very timely basis. What we focus on here is also about scalability. So there is something within the legal team that um, we, we we remind ourselves every day um, is we have very limited resources and we have a growing number of users and, and, and the company kind of employees as well. So we talk about 100x, 10x and 1x. What I mean by that is 1x is when we interact with one particular client, like a traditional law firm model. 10x is where we then give our expertise to other members of the team. For example, we have a customer experience team who can then interact with a lot of founders and, and you know, um, they are three times bigger than the legal team we have. And 100x is where we actually build a product that can serve hundreds of thousands of customers um, with a technology. So, of course, then we allocate the resources and always dedicate to the 100x work. So I think that really makes us very different kind of from the traditional law firm setup. And the other thing that kind of surprised me in terms of, you know, Seed Legal's setup is that Seed Legal seems to be recruiting kind of a lot of graduates fresh out of university. I was wondering whether there's a particular reason for that. Because, you know, understanding that you have a platform where you advise kind of startups in a variety of different legal areas, You'd, you'd imagine that you know having you know more seasoned and experienced lawyers would be more traditional or effective in this arena. No, of course. I mean, this is where, especially for our customer experience team, we have a lot of junior law graduates who join us um, who might not prefer kind of a traditional law firm career but want to do something different. And and I think the good thing is we have a technology platform where all the workflow and documentation are generated by technology, then we can have really keen, really intelligent, smart law graduates to actually on day one to help users with their day-to-day question. And again, go back to a typical startup that I just mentioned. Um, they have issues way beyond legal issues, you know, what they have in mind. And, and all the time they require more empathy from their advisors or person that interact with them. And a great law graduate who are very close to the founders and you know, probably the same age group and, and understand their problems actually is really working very well for us and for our users as well. And, and for the graduates, I think it offers them a great um, experience to see you know, how you can apply your legal skills to real-life situation at the same time, how you use technology to scale um, your legal skills and deliver them at scale. And then when it comes to you know, the startups, you know, eventually you know, 
the the idea with the startup is that it will then become kind of a fully fledged business. And I was wondering, kind of with Seed Legals, is the intention of you know just focusing on kind of the startup phase, and then with the expectation that, or you know, with the understanding that some law, some businesses or startups will then kind of leave the platform, um, or is Seed Legals planning on accommodating kind of you know startups and for a longer term relationship? have at the moment um, especially in the UK is a utility that's loved by startups now it can go multiple ways you know you can we can of course go into late stage deals if we want to we can also be a platform that facilitates startups and also SMEs um, they're not just startups and and help them to really facilitate their relationship between their investors and um, the companies um we are exploring different areas. I, I, we're not ruling out one or the other. Um, but one thing that we see that's most important is since we have gained, you know, um, a lot of traction in the UK, loved by the startups here, we want to serve the startup elsewhere as well. So we launched in APAC in Hong Kong, Singapore earlier this year. We have operations in France and Ireland as well. Um, we hope really to bring the innovation that we've introduced in the UK um, internationally and benefit other startups. And so do you find that in these other jurisdictions, you know, the landscape or kind of the legal issues that startups face is, is the same? Or have you found that there's any particular di- regional differences in the startup landscape in these other jurisdictions? From two different perspectives, what the... The founder problems is always the same. You imagine you're starting a business today, you know, find a co-founder and then um, make sure you get some business and then the next thing you get some funding. So they are very similar. But of course, when you then deep dive into the technical legal work um, and, and, and the documentation relating to that, of course, there will be jurisdictional differences. And that's where, you know, you do need a legal team with international exposure to appreciate those technicalities. And so... Kind of going back to your personal journey, you know, you used to be a corporate lawyer. What made you switch into legal tech? That's a good question. Um, I think I I always wanted to apply my legal skills at scale. I always tried to do something different. So when I was at Lynx, I also turned into PSL um, kind of in London and helping to scale the corporate practice where we create templates so that it can be used by all the fee owners in the firm. Um, And technology is kind of the very natural next move for me to explore how we can scale our operations um, differently. And and within Silicos, my legal team are coding. So we we have a team of lawyers who can code and are coding every single day um, and apply their legal skills differently in a more scalable manner. And so what talking about that, you know, how important is it for lawyers to code? And that's one of those kind of trending topics or, or big questions as we see, you know, technology, you know, improving legal services and legal service delivery. Is it necessary for lawyers of tomorrow to code? Does it make you a better lawyer if you know how to code? Yes and no. Um, yes, in the sense that I do think the while you are very good at legal skills. To be able to appreciate different disciplines, to understand the limitations of technology also is very important. And know in the sense that I do think there are a lot of no-code platforms nowadays and more and more um, coming our way that we no longer need to 
fiddle with Java and all those coding languages, and probably we will have very simple no-code platform be able to allow lawyers to scale our skills. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's just one new skill set. It's actually quite interesting and it's something very logical. So I think a lot of lawyers will actually enjoy learning coding. And, you know, when you decided to kind of go from corporate and legal tech to, to legal tech, was there any hesitation or fear in making that decision? I mean, you know, personally for me, I would say, you know, the corporate salary at links to then, you know, going into kind of the legal tech arena, I would have, you know, a fear of financial security or, you know, job progression. What was your mindset when making that switch? And, and how did you kind of rationalize your decision? This is a big question. Um, of course, <laughs> um, I, I'm fully aware that I'm very privileged to have um, a very supportive family. Um, because the moment you move into tech, especially if you're thinking about setting up your own thing, you know, salary is probably, you know, out of the window, um, (laughs) for a while. (laughs) And, um, so, so I have very supportive spouse and, um, and then make it happen. And I fully appreciate that my not, you know, not, not everyone will have such a privilege. Um, I think the, the other thing that kind of among my peer thinking about making a switch or not is where, um, career progression, they wonder, well, you know, while you are at a large law firm, you can follow, you know, three-year PQE, four-year PQE and go all the way up as opposed to, you know, why you want to try something new and go into the unknown, not sure what's happening next. Um, That's, and and to be very honest, at the beginning, I was worried that, you know, what if things are not successful? You know, what if, what if I didn't get what I aim to achieve and, and what will happen next. And typical lawyer, me will then say, let me think about plan B, let me think about plan C, or let me think about long stop day, right? But over time, I actually find out that if you decide to do something and you do something with dedication and conviction, you will learn a lot during that time. So, and, and, and if you ever wanted to come back to the employment and then all the employer will actually really appreciate your experience. Um, whether something is successful is, of course, out of your control because, you know, there's a market forces behind it. There, there are many things. Who knows there will be a war this year? Um, but as long as you've tried everything, I think um, you've tried your very best. Um, I think this is the mindset that you should have in mind before you start your own thing. And what's been the highlight moment on the job so far for you, whether it be kind of at sea legals, in legal tech? What I enjoy is really, especially product building, so to speak. You have an idea, you want to create something, and and then you work very hard with the product team, the engineering team, and a few months later, you, you actually create a product in front of your eyes and you have people using it. I think this is something really special. As opposed to I'm comparing to kind of prior practice lawyer where, of course, at the end of a deal, you have to close a deal. You know, there's a, there's a lot of legal documentation, very beautifully drafted. I think it feels different when it's like a software in front of your eyes and, and, and can change and turn. You know, that's, um, that's quite, quite rewarding. Yeah. And so what do you think? Uh, are the necessary skills or the skills that kind of lawyers or law students should develop if they want to get into the legal tech space? I think just be very, very curious um, and explore different things because, 
you know, enjoy a, enjoy a law degree, get the best out of it, and then be very curious, be very open-minded about what's out there. Um, whether you have a training contract or not, this is, is not the kind of end of the day if you don't have one, but be really open and, um, you know, ready to roll up your sleeve to learn coding or learn business development or learn, learn sales, everything. Because the moment you join a startup, you're in a technology um, company, you actually have to wear multiple hats. And um, I think that's the attitude that distinguishes good candidates and not so good candidates. Fantastic, Dora. Well, here at Legal Team, we always like to end our interviews on a bit of a lighthearted note. So my question for you this week is, what's your most hated legal subject. So if you look back kind of at uni or doing your studies, where, which is one legal subject that you hated with a passion and why? Equity and trust. I don't have a reason. <laughs> I just don't like it. <laughs> I, that, that, has to, that has to be mine as well. And it's one that has been very resonant across this podcast with past guests. That one okay, or well, Orlando yeah. as well. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> well, okay. I understand that one too. <laughs> Well, Flora, thank you so much. If any of our listeners want to reach out with some follow-up questions, can they? And if so, how? Sure, sure. Um, welcome anytime. Um, my email is flora at clegals.com or otherwise I'm also available on LinkedIn. Feel free to reach out and connect anytime. Fantastic, Flora. Thank you so much, so much for coming on. I wish you a lovely day. Good night. Well, that's the show, folks. If you enjoyed learning about Seed Legals and want to know more, feel free to reach out to Flora. We've linked her LinkedIn profile in the show notes below. Special thanks to our unsung heroes of the week, Clara Herberg, for editing and producing the episode, and Matt Gedridge for the absolute bang of theme song. Thank you all for tuning in to Season 2 of Legal Tea. It's been an absolute pleasure. And as the old saying goes, till next time.